Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast giving a voice to anyone who has ever felt like an outsider or an outcast. This show highlights topics of social injustice and promotes a healing conversation. We've had some interesting and disturbing events in our political arena in Virginia lately and even shocking admissions from our government leaders that have come at a time of already heightened racial tension. And my guest on the show today is ready to help us open a bigger discussion about this. And I'm grateful to have her, the chairperson for Virginia organizing. Del McWhorter is joining me. Del, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. The Outcast podcast is supported by Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Most folks who work here love living here, and that makes a difference. At Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com, they're proud to work the hometown advantage around the clock, connecting local employers to local job seekers. Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com makes it easy to post a job and it's local, so you won't get spammed by faraway job seekers. And if you're looking for a good local job, search jobs and apply online right now. Get the advantage of finding a job close to home at Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Local jobs that work. So, you know, Virginia continues to be in the national spotlight with racial issues, but more importantly, I think, than uh, the coverage on national news and skits on SNL, certainly, uh, our racial divide in the state is certainly on display. Were you shocked when you first heard about these scandals with the governor and the attorney general and the Senate majority leader? Yes. <laughs> I was shocked, and, and maybe maybe I shouldn't have been, but um, I, I was absolutely floored that these things were going on in, as late as the 1980s among people that uh, present themselves as more or less anti-racist. Um, so, yes, I think, I think many of us were. Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I, a lot of people around around the media, you know, we were sort of feeling this, like we were shocked, but not shocked, uh, horrified at the same time, you know, just a lot of a lot of mixed uh, crazy emotions going on about, uh, around all of it. And I know that also making the news rounds has been this uh, list of demands that the Virginia organizing uh, put together that was directed at all three of these scandals. I, I'd like to chat a little bit about that too i i thought it was a, a fantastic list and and was this a list that that you guys were ready to go with i mean this you you handle this sort of thing day in and day out and you talk about these things so it seems like you had the tools sort of available to you to be able to say okay here's what we need to do we did to some extent because a lot of what's on the list reflect work that we've been doing mm -hmm. for some time um but it did take us a while to put it together. And what we actually did was, uh, the way that, that the organization is structured, we have a, a state governing board, which I chair, and there are 11 of us, and we're from all across the state. And then we have uh, some employees. We have a Charlottesville-based uh, headquarters where we have some employees. And then we have uh, field organizers across the state. So um, we actually asked the the, the employees of staff what issues they thought should be brought to the fore so we got things from them we took things from our from our own priorities list uh from over time and the other thing we did was we went to the washington post interview that governor northam had given and we took things off his list and we the things that we agreed with and wanted to see furthered hoping that um if he saw some things on there that he himself had already considered he would realize that these things are all related and they all need to be done um so that's how we put it together and it did take us a while just because we wanted to be sure 
that we were touching on everything that we needed and also because we wanted things to be very concrete, real steps he could take, that Norman could take, and that uh, that Herring could take mm-hmm. that um, weren't too vague for them to brush off. You know, I feel like the public kind of, uh, you know, immediately went to this place of, you guys have, you know, they just immediately went to this place of, of, of not trusting our politicians once again. You know, it, it, it just immediately felt like that where, you know, once again, you looked at things that they had already said out in public and said that they wanted to do to help, uh, to help bridge the gap in our racial divide in the state. And then here we go with, with all of these scandals. Right. Yeah. It, it, it seemed like a real um, disconnect between their rhetoric and their actions. And, you know, people say, and they said, that people change over time. I think Governor Norman was the one who, who mostly said that. And then that's certainly true. And, and we believe that wholeheartedly. And we certainly do a lot of work with people who have changed over time when we do restoration of, of rights work with returning citizens from incarceration. We see people's lives change all the time. So we believe that, but we also are very skeptical that, that uh, you know, that these, these things have, have changed definitively, and we know they haven't changed in the state at large. So we like to see this as more of a systemic issue than a particular set of incidents that happened, you know, 30-some years ago. Um, and that's why we think they need to be addressed now and not brushed off as something from the past. Um, so, yeah. You know, uh, a lot of the, the public and private agencies, uh, you know, throughout the state sort of uh, once again coming to a place where they're saying, OK, maybe we should, you know, do some more training within our organization and maybe we should look at some things. And I think that's a wonderful uh, conversation to be having. Uh, do you guys work with any organizations that are trying to do things like that? And, and, and how do you suggest, you know, going beyond? I, I know you mentioned this in one of your uh, in, in, in the list of demands, but going beyond so-called sensitivity training with this type of thing. Right, and that's the, the first thing on the list um, for, I think, for all three of them is to, to go beyond the sensitivity training and actually do some dismantling racism workshops. We have been doing dismantling racism workshops for our own folks and also for other organizations for 20 years. It was one of the first things, 20 plus, one of the first things that we set up and began doing because we knew we could never have uh, a viable, effective um, community organizing network in the state without first addressing that and addressing it among ourselves and then reaching out for others because racism is just part of our history. It's a huge part of our history in this in this state. Um, and so a dismantling racism workshop, as, as we see it, is, first of all, it doesn't, it, you can't do it in two hours. Right. We do two kinds. We do one that's a full day, and we do one that's a full weekend that's, that starts Friday night and goes into Sunday. Um, so you can do it either way. The, the full weekend one is, is really, really good. I've done both kinds. That is, I have been party, part of both kinds. Mm-hmm. I've not led one. Um, we work on issues that have to do not just with feelings, which of course are, are key too, right. but with understanding how even when you're trying to not be racist and to be anti-racist, anti-racist, that you can still channel the power relations that create racist outcomes. Um, 
And, and the workshops do a really good job of bringing that home in very accessible ways. So even, you know, we even do these sorts of workshops with kids. So it's not, it's not heavy-duty intellectual stuff. It's really looking at things through exercises that demonstrate um, how racism can play out even among people who are of, of extremely good will. And I think that's important. The sensitivity training tends to address vocabulary mm-hmm. and, you know, cultural knowledge maybe and, and attempt to change attitudes but those are really not the biggest things in people's lives that are affected constantly by racism. Racism is, is much more of a structural problem than it is a personal, psychological, or ethical problem. Of course, it's those things, too. Right. It's very interesting that, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, even including uh, children in this conversation, and I I believe that's extremely important. You know, I was thinking about uh, just yet another example of one of the schools in Virginia, you know, during Black History Month and and, uh, teaching in in a way that uh, came across extremely uh, racist and, and some things that they were doing. These our kids are seeing the news too. They're seeing these scandals on the news. They're hearing about these things, and this is also a conversation that many parents are saying, "Yes, we need to include the kids in this in all of this." Yeah, sure. Yeah, he, and and we. I don't know how young kids we've had in in these workshops, but I know that we've had you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen year olds. And that's certainly capable of understanding the exercises and get, and 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 drawing the conclusions <laughs> from them that the adults do. It's it, and it might work with younger children too, but we uh, but we generally just have them mixed together. So families come, um, or oftentimes it's it's the staff of an office or an organization like a community um, services organization or something like that. Um, or we could do it for a fraternity or a church or you know we do we just. Um, we we think it's just such important work that yeah. it should be done, and we would really love to see state government officials come to these workshops. Yes, that, that I mean that would be fantastic, and really a, uh, a really a step in the right direction of uh, reconciliation. Because there's that word has been dropped a lot too, Dell, in the news. You know where it's like, okay, how do we reconcile this at this point? You know after these scandals. You know, th- and this is just a page, really. In the in the scandal book, with many things that have happened uh, throughout Virginia. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, you know I, I had the mayor of Charlottesville on this very podcast uh, our last season, and and talking about you know trying to take down some of these statues. I mean, this is another you know just another page in this bigger discussion. Right, and of course that's on our list too, <laughs> trying to take down yes. statues. Um, yeah, we we've got that. We it goes it, yeah over and over and over again. We've had these scandals. And I think one of the things that we want to do is actually say, this time, we're not going to let this pass. Mm -hmm. And because these guys have refused to resign, they're staying in office for three more years. Well, you know, that gives us a perfect opportunity. So Norman has not... um, He's denied any responsibility for what happened in his case, and so it makes him very difficult to work with him. Um, So we've made some demands on him, on Senator Norman, but um, we don't have a whole lot of hope there. But it could, could happen. 
for the other two, for, for Attorney General Herring and Governor Northam, we, we see this as an opportunity. Both have expressed what appears to be genuine willingness and openness to doing something to change things more than they have done in the past, which is, you know, has been something. They, they've not been, uh, they've, they've not enacted a lot of racist policies and in some deliberate way in their terms in office. So, but now they seem to be even more open to doing some deeper, more significant and long-lasting work. And so it's, it's a great time for us to push this, not to let it go. Um, I was asked by one reporter a week or so ago whether this was going to be a distraction for the administration in the, in the next three years, and I said, no, it's going to be the focus of yeah. the administration right. in the next three years, and we've got some very specific things we want to see done, and they're very doable. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're talking to the chairperson for Virginia Organizing, Del McWhorter, and uh, I, your website is is fantastic, a resource for a lot of people. I know that you uh, are really a voice for uh, so many people in our community, and I, I'm imagining that you have been up close and personal with a lot of people in our, uh, our community to say, you know, we need some real change with this open discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't want to just have one more conversation about race. I've heard that from so many people and board members in particular lately. Like everybody calls for conversation about race. Well, you know, how long have we been having conversations about race? We don't need a conversation except insofar as we need to listen to some people who haven't gotten enough uh, of a chance to to air their concerns. Um, But beyond that what we need to do is the things we know need doing Mm -hmm. and um and and i i think that uh people get tied up in who's guilty and whether they themselves are somehow contaminated by racism um and it's important to do some soul searching but it's also just important to get some things done and not be hung up by how how you feel or how you think people are looking at you um so yeah you know, I know a lot of people have been asking a lot of questions after these, uh, especially after these recent scandals about, you know, okay, I'm just in my small town just doing my thing every day. You know, how can I take some action? What are your suggestions when people come to the table and say, I really do want to help make some real change this time? Well, we can usually refer them to a chapter of Virginia Organizing in their area where they can get involved in things like the Dismantling Racism Workshops and other work that we do. In Fredericksburg, for example, the chapter there is working on um, affordable housing, and that's Mm -hmm. one of the things on our list, too, to expand the availability of affordable housing and also to upgrade what exists already. And that's going to be increasingly important. That might not seem like an issue of race, because, of course, doing that will benefit lots and lots of low-income people, many of whom are are white. Um, But it's one of the things that we can do that shows goodwill to the communities who are typically marginalized, and that certainly includes African Americans, Native Americans, and and other uh, immigrant groups. Um, And so affordable housing is one of those things that people can get involved in at the local level. And, And I think that probably... Doing the dismantling racism workshops 
will enable people to see how these issues are connected with each other. So affordable housing, there's, there's lots of environmental justice issues that people can get involved in on a local level. As you know, I'm sure, the uh, Buckingham County compressor station that will be attached right. to a pipeline, that's a huge environmental yes. justice issue, and it involves a lot of of racism when you start looking at that project and particularly the compressor station. Um, so there are just lots of things that people can do at the local level, but not by themselves. That's the thing that people feel kind of overwhelmed sometimes. They, they look at this enormous problem and they say, what, what can I, one person, do? And the answer is not much. You have to join with other people and you have to listen to and share with other people. And the chapters are one way of doing that. And there are other groups, too. There's Black Lives Matter. Many, many localities have chapters of that. Um, and there's and there's plenty of other good organizations around the state. So I would encourage people, if they think they can't do anything, don't demand so much of themselves at first. Get educated about what what's available and get involved and take your direction from the people who have already started some of the work. Um, and there's lots to do, and it's rewarding, and it builds relationships with people you might never have thought you'd get to know. Yeah, I love the uh, the community that is represented with Virginia Organizing, and and like you mentioned, so many fantastic uh, different chapters that are available throughout the throughout the state. Uh, so whatever region that you're listening from, certainly that uh, you you can find your own local chapter for that with Virginia Organizing. I want to go back a little bit to this uh, to this list of demands that, uh, like I said, has been making the rounds after a lot of this uh, has made uh, national news, and and certainly uh, Virginia's been in a spotlight recently for a lot of the uh, racial conversation. One of the things that you talk about, I just think it's such a, a great list of demands uh, because it is directed at the people that were involved uh, through our government leaders, but also it's just such a very good list because it, it really highlights, Dell some of the real issues that we're, that we're not taking action with. It, it goes beyond that step of conversation and it says, okay, let's do something. And you really are calling to task um, you know, these leaders who who stand up for our communities and for the people in our state. This is something that I think uh, we can continue to take with us as we vote next time. You know, we can say, OK, are you doing these things? It's kind of a great checklist. Yeah, it, it can function that way. I think that's a great use for it, too. I really was very interested in uh, so many of the things that you said on this. And I and I want to invite people to go and, and look for this list because you can find it very quickly if you do a google search for uh, virginia organizing and you just you know hit the news tab you'll find all of the uh, all of the news uh the news uh articles that have popped up and and certainly you can see a lot of that but you mentioned um in in the list regarding our communities of color and sexual minorities and people with disabilities calling to task our people in in government to say what are you doing for us you need to actually attend these meetings and you need to require your your staff members to step up and and these things are just so so important how do we keep track as the public you know that our that our people that are in leadership are doing these things well that's a good question and it's always important to follow up because um you know they don't just <laughs> leaders respond very well to continual checks on them mm -hmm. um so what 
what we will do as an organization, of course, is, is we will monitor these things. We're trying to get meetings with uh, Governor Northam and Attorney General Herring. So we're going to do that. We hope to be able to meet with other uh, legislative um, uh, officials and continue to, to put some pressure on various uh, parts of the government to do it. Now that the Virginia General Assembly is out of session, we'll be looking at um, individual officials and uh, so that's something that anybody can do, of course. You can call your delegate, your senator. You can email them or, or write to them. You can write letters to the editor. And then you can look to local news media and podcasts like yours mm-hmm. to find out what they're doing. Or you can ask them to tell you. Usually if you write a letter to, to a delegate or a senator, you'll get a letter back with some specifics about here's what I've done. Or you'll get some kind of dodge, and then you'll know they didn't do it. Um, so that's that's way to keep up with them, and sometimes it's a little hard. But you know we've got some staff people who do that regularly, so we try to let our our folks know on our on our um, listserv and stuff, so that you can get uh, media updates. Now, when you meet, on it, because you guys do this a lot, when you meet with officials and committees, and and you're meeting with our, our government officials, are they open to hearing this conversation with you? Are they, you know, how you can tell? It's like, okay, I'm listening to you because I have to. Uh, are they open though to this conversation, this new conversation that you're trying to have now? Well, it remains to be seen right now because we're we're not yet on their schedules, mm-hmm. but um, we we hope to be, and we see as much publicity as we can get on these points that that. Uh, when their schedules open up now that the uh, session's over that we'll get in to see them historically though when we've had meetings generally if you get granted a a meeting then there's a certain amount of openness obviously coming as an organization they're apt to be a little more um on the on their guard than they might be with a single constituent um but they're also apt to, to know if they grant a meeting to anybody, really, that, uh, that they're, they're there to do some business. I mean, their time is pretty precious, and so they're not going to um, usually meet with you if they're totally closed to anything you want to say. So there's a, you can get a toe in the door, and then it's a matter of sort of getting a taste for, for how they are in the actual meeting. Sometimes it takes several meetings. <laughs> Or sometimes, in in some cases, it takes actually showing up where they're speaking and forcing them into a conversation. That We've done that a few times, too. Oh, right, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's an interesting interesting feeling in the room. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, you get, it's it's hard to do that if you haven't ever done it before. It's not something anybody really enjoys, confrontation like that. But, you know, we, we kind of make a plan. If we... If we get turned down for invitations, if so on and so forth, we have a, a, um, a, a like a decision tree, and at a certain point, then we start getting, we start being annoying and that, uh, to them. That, yeah. that's the way we work. Yeah, squeaky wheel. We real. don't start with that. We we try to be polite and respectful and and begin um, with the attitude, if not always the belief that they will work with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I know this is something that obviously goes beyond uh, Virginia organizing for you. I mean, you, you I, I'm looking at your background. You obviously have uh, quite a heart for this, and I know that you have a book um, entitled Racism and Sexual Oppression in Anglo-American and Genealogy. Do, do you want to tell us a little bit about the book? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I didn't expect I was going to have on two hats today. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, so the, the book is, uh, it, it's a genealogy 
genealogy, which I'm not a historian, so I don't claim that it's a, it's a, a thorough history, but it it looks at the development of categories of race and at how race was used in the colonies and then in the early United States as a way of controlling um, labor and also as a way of um, of basically um, colonizing and mm-hmm. pushing to the West in the United States. And the main thing that the book does is it shows how in the 19th and 20th centuries, particularly, these practices and discussions of race were totally enmeshed and entwined with um, various kinds of sexism, and particularly with heterosexism. The book talks a lot about the development of pejorative categories of sexual labeling mm-hmm. and um, how, how people were, how many times, particularly Native Americans, were feminized and um, seen as perverts. There's a lot of there's, a, there's just a tremendous mixture of strategies of oppression, conquest, and domination that are, are mixtures of, of gendering and of oppressing as sexual minorities, people who are like whole races of people. I love this description because I looked at the description of the book uh, before we started, and I'm just, it looks very interesting. I'm very uh, intrigued to read it. So I, I just wanted you to, to kind of be able to mention mention the book a little bit because really all of these things, it is so interesting how our history overlaps in all of those categories. Yes, it really does. And I think until you really start looking at some of it, you don't see how deeply mm-hmm. connected uh, sexism, heterosexism, and racism are and have been now for at least 200 years, more really, but especially in the last 200 years. And I think this is one of the reasons why, well, it is one of the reasons why I, I wanted to be part of Virginia Organizing. I wanted to do multi-issue work because they're so interrelated. To, to, be, to be concerned about sexism or heterosexism and not be concerned about environmental justice is is self-defeating. Yeah. Same thing about being concerned about racism, but not being concerned about um, about heterosexism. That doesn't make sense when you look at how the structures work, how they were put in place, and how they function today. Um, you got to you got to go at them all sort of at the same time. Yeah. And that makes it sound harder, but it's really not. One of the things I find about Virginia organizing is that my whole self and my whole set of values gets to play out within this organization. I don't have to pick and choose among my identities or among the things I care about. It's very it's very interesting to see that common thread going through, you know. Yeah, it really, yeah. really is. And and so I'm excited to uh, to check out your book, uh, Racism and Sexual Oppression in Anglo-American Genealogy. If uh, those of you who are also going to be Googling that with me and uh, checking out the book, too. I know you do some teaching as well. And, and so a lot of this you have you have been on the, on the front line with some of our young adults that are coming up that are, um, uh, you know, looking maybe to get into leadership roles and to get into politics later on in life. Do you see this kind of new, uh, excited, open-mindedness with students today? I do. I see a lot of it, and, and, um, and it's very exciting to me. I also see the opposite. I see, I see some young people who are, who are as closed and as bigoted as I have ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. and I think the polarization we see in our nation uh, as a whole is reflected in the next generation and it's it's really to some degree it's agonizing for yeah. these young people dealing with each other 
Um, but, yeah, the, the level of excitement, interest, openness, and even hope in the face of a lot of huge problems is is gratifying to me. It's astounding sometimes, even when, you know, the hatred and uh, the the attempt to humiliate and dominate other people is still also there. I don't believe in, in inevitable human progress. I think that progress has to be made. And so I'm, I, I don't believe that it's just things are going to get better just because a new generation grows up and takes over things. We have to educate them, and we have to support the ones who are going to make the changes that we want to see. The website is fantastic. I want to tell everybody uh, how they can get there. It's virginia-organizing.org. Is that right? That's right. Okay, and plenty of great things uh, to get involved in through Virginia Organizing. And it really is, you know, an organization uh, can continue continuously um, trying to take action and um, not just have the conversation, but also provide the tools uh, to have the conversation and to take the action, which is uh, something that attracted me to the organization, Del. So I appreciate what you guys are doing in our communities and of course uh, everyone can find their local chapter and find a way to get involved right great yes virginiaorganizing.org virginia-organizing.org and uh you know if you've got a, a few extra dollars you can also donate uh to such a great organization as well dell thank you so much this has been fantastic and uh and very uh, a very good conversation uh, that will continue to motivate us to to do some greater things in our communities well thank you very much The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting.